there was a period of time during Crash Dance 2 dev where we were all just having kind of a bad time. It was just things were moving slowly. Uh, it, we were we felt like we were kind of stuck in the in the muck, mm-hmm. um, but we were sticking to the plan, right? And we just kept sticking to the plan and kept having a rough time. And eventually, we were like, F- "This plan." Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody! Welcome to episode three hundred of Coffee crap. with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the web developer. I'm Sam, and I make art. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is February 26th, 2021. Dunk on everyone. Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything could happen on this show. There's definitely going to be some swears, so just be prepared for that. Uh, we'd also like to uh, thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. And we also have a special... Very special, special supporter today. So here's what happened. A uh, longtime listener, community member, Scale Polexis, who in the past has come to Shenanicon, crafted glorious 3D printed models of some of our stuff from our games, etc. Including a package from Levelhead that you can actually put stuff inside of. Which I'm, holding, Adam- I'm holding one up right now because it's been sitting on my desk ever since. Mm-hmm. So Scale Polexis sent us a package to celebrate episode 300. Uh, and inside the package were three luscious, velvety, purple, handcrafted bags with gold rope sealing them. Real and, gold rope. <laughs> and the Butterscotch Shenanigans logo embroidered on them. And each bag, each of the three bags contained 100 quarters so that he could give us 25 cents per episode, uh, which is probably the the most the the biggest dunk I've ever seen mm-hmm. for donating money to a podcast. <laughs> uh, and he also sent us a, a, a note, so I'll just read a little snippet of it. Uh, he said, uh, "My grandmother got an embroidery machine, and I work with embroidery with my employer, but I never get to make my own art. I decided I would learn how to use the machine and more about the software to better my knowledge." So I can dunk on my coworkers. That's right, Scareplexus. Hell so yeah! Thank, thank you so much. That's incredible. Uh, and now we actually can grab grab your money. Just right yeah, I gotta say, I wish we could set up. I wish instead of like the Kofi and stuff, if people gave Kofi money, if they just sent us these bags of quarters, like whatever the conversion was. <laughs> because I want like a hoard, you know, like the pot. Because like you know, the podcast doesn't exactly make. A ton of money, but and by a ton you mean it just costs money. Basically, so like it'd be really nice if, with the pile of money that we did get from it, that small pile that we could literally pile it up in like a quarter, you know, dragon horde scenario, and at some point, maybe who knows, episode six hundred, be able to swim in our little quarter, maybe a bathtub full of our. Quarters. I don't think so. I, I mean, I feel like I feel like the Scrooge McDuck thing really kind of. They really kind of messed up the physics on that, and I feel like a lot of people are going to get hurt. You know, I think I think if you had a pit full of coins, that's how you dove, get quarters in your eyes, and you dove into it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, for starters, quarters in your eyes because you're dead and you're at a funeral, and they put coins on your eyes. Mm-hmm. You got to pay the passage. You're going to dive into that thing, and you're just going to break. Like your whole all parts of body are going to just break. So don't know. try to swim in a pit full of quarters. I think that's a bad move. Yeah, good advice for episode uh, 300, I think. Yeah, I think yeah. we finished our, we finish our life advice portion now of uh, episode 300. Uh, don't swim in quarters. Yep. Don't swim in quarters. Uh, it, seems, it seems fun, but don't. Uh, all right, so I just want to talk a little bit about just, the, just the, the podcast, you know? It's kind of a, it's kind of a big deal, 300 mm-hmm. episodes. Um, that means, you know, we've, we've, we typically go just like a little over an hour, but just kind of for for – to keep it simple, we'll say like this, this is 300 hours of mm-hmm. podcasting um, over about six years. And if you were to listen to every episode start to finish, and that's about 12 and a half days of nonstop listening. What if you did it? As a, <laughs> what if you did it as a full-time job? Cause it's, it's harder to wrap your mind around like a 24 hour day. Cause you're not awake for that long. So like what if you did uh, an eight hour day, five days a week? It'd be like, yeah. So 40, 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so take you like uh, seven weeks. and a half to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
So that's, and by the time you're done, you know, there's eight more episodes and now you've got to catch up by another, another work day. Yep. So uh, I'm not quite sure what the math is on where we reach the, the, the event horizon of episodes where if you were to listen to it as a full-time job, you can't catch you up. You could never get to the end because mm-hmm. the episodes I think are- we're, <laughs> we're, we're a ways out from that, I think. Probably. <laughs> but it's all, it's, we're getting closer. Yeah, we are getting right? closer. We're always getting closer in, to that moment. Because after eight weeks of listening, there's one more whole work I mean, if day. we keep on going yeah. through our whole careers, assuming that we're lucky enough that we, that our games keep coming out, we keep finding ways to skate by and sell them to somebody and all of that, then we can do this for another, you know, 20 years or whatever. Then at that point, we'll have, you know, 30 years or whatever of, of, like, so what is that? 30 years of 50 hours, basically. So we're talking 30 times times 50, right? Is that what we're talking about? So 1,500 hours. hours, right? Yeah. Well, that's what so, I was thinking about because I was like, okay, 300. It's, and then the fact that that is basically six years worth of every week us sitting down and just chatting about what's going on kind of weirded me out because I was like, wait a second. Like, that's a, that's a really long time, you know? It is. Well, and it's a, and it's a documentation. Yeah. Right? It's a... It's a Auto auto documentary of, of auto, auto auto audio documentary. Uh-huh. Um, uh, just following all the stuff. Like, of course, we've we had to keep a lot of stuff secret because we're not allowed to say certain things, right? Uh, and, but but even still, we've been pretty open about the whole experience we've gone through. And because we left the episodes up, uh, you get to hear us being like really wrong. You know, you go back a, a few years, like a lot, uh, we go, but like our attitudes on everything, you know, have been changing over time, including how we see the nature of work, what we think it means to be able to make games and, and sell them successfully. What we, what we think the relative importance is of all these different factors, you know, and, uh, and you, and you kind of can, in a lot of ways, like I kind of, I feel like it almost culminated recently with the discovery that we all had ADHD, right? Cause now yeah. we can kind of walk back and see how that informs uh, our ways of thinking and how we work and all that kind of stuff going back. Um, uh, and if you see like how our approach to running a studio today compares when we first hired people, spoiler, we did a terrible job. Uh, mm-hmm. that first and we time. probably still are. We just don't know it yet, but yeah, but it's not terrible uh, nearly as, as terrible of a way as it was. That first time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, look at that, that whole journey is just there, you know, which is, which is on the one hand, it's cool. Very cool. Uh, yeah. On the other hand, it's, it's, it makes it weird. Like if, if somebody, if somebody were to come in and listen to it, like to, to go on a journey would be a thing that would make sense. Right. To like, see what does it, what did it look like for this one specific case study of, you know, people trying to figure it out. Uh, but if you went to it trying to learn stuff, then if you started at the beginning, you would have mm-hmm. to be ready to keep unlearning the stuff that you just <laughs> learned. And if you stopped too early, you know, you could walk away with advice that we really don't want you to have taken away from the podcast. <laughs> it's coming from our younger selves who, you know, who were just wrong at that time. And as one of the two of you just said, we'll, we'll be wrong, you know, in a year from now too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hopefully in, in less horrible of a way than looking back, it currently feels like we were. You know? Well, I, I think if there's anything that we try to push in this podcast, it's like, just try to think, think about stuff, you know, yeah. try to know why, have good reasons for the things that you do and, to the best of your knowledge, right? So even if somebody does listen halfway and walk away with some weird ideas, like, you know, they're going to, they're going to be able to, to apply that to something and think about it and take some lessons away from it, just like we did at the time, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I I don't think, I don't think we've given any truly bad advice. No, I don't think so. (laughs) Nothing like, yeah, nothing, nothing I'm like, nothing I'm like particularly worried about just, yeah. You know, just less less good than ideal, or you know, get kind of getting people just a little off on the wrong, you know, track. Because oh, yeah, oh we yeah, we're yeah. off on the wrong track, so that's the only place we could put other people. Which is, I think, just maybe a thing for everybody listening to remember, which is that we are always on the wrong track. Also, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. we're getting on better tracks, but there's like there's this idealized imaginary of the right track. You know, we're not on it. We will never. Well, be yeah, on you it. look. Well, you it look at people. Exist, really. You know, you might look at people who say have a podcast with 300 episodes. And uh, how many listens now, Seth? What was the total count? Uh, we've had 738,000 listens. Yeah. It's like, that's a lot, right? And it might seem like it sort of starts getting this really interesting inverted quality to it, where the, the total amount of what you'd call success or visible sort of stuff from a from a person or an entity starts seeming like it 
is a validation of whatever it is that they're that they do or are talking about. Like they have it figured out, right? Um, when in reality, I mean, no one knows what the hell is going on. Everyone's just doing their best and sort of like just picking the next the next thing to work on and, and the next thing to kind of uh, get right as opposed to get wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's it's easy to, to it's very easy just to forget all that, you know, that, that people are just people at the end of the day. So yeah. even though you got no matter how big the, else, Yeah, no matter how big the numbers are next to their online profile on whatever platform you're looking at, you know, they're still just trying to figure it out. And they may not have any idea how they got there. Yep. Yeah. 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 And, well, they, and, they, uh, and they may be completely full of shit and actually in all likelihood are. But it uh, could be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, need, need, you, you need to look no further than, you know, uh, Joe Rogan if you need sure. to. Sure. <laughs> Good uh, on Joe. I mean, everything he says is a lie, but he has like a hundred billion, you know, followers, right? So, like, yeah, it, it, like the numbers don't mean anything. The consistency doesn't mean anything, right? The confidence with which you speak doesn't mean anything, right? Well, I mean, maybe that's that's a good segue into maybe just think about like when we first started this thing. Why did we even do it, and what were we hoping to achieve? So, I, I think if I if I'm remembering this correctly, so this was like 2015. We were in the midst of we were we were more than half a year out from launching uh, Crashlands. Um, Sam was going through cancer treatments at the time. Sort of, mm-hmm. you'd been doing it for like a year at that point. Um, and one of the things that we felt like was missing was some kind of connection to our our players while we were know? making the games. While we were making the games, because we felt like we would go into a cave silently make some stuff and then emerge. And by the time we emerged, nobody was there. Like people would just wander off. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we thought like, well, you know, what can we do? We can make a blog. We need recurring That's, content. Yeah. Some kind of, some kind of recurring content. Uh, so we could have like a blog where we write up stuff. Um, so we actually tried to do that for a while, but what would happen was, you know, like it was a, I feel like it was a, uh, a bystander effect problem, you know, where like we, we were supposed to be working on this blog, but none of us really did. And so one thing would pop out uh, like a month and then like a, two months later, another thing would pop out. Um, well, I think it was also that. I think it was also who was, who were we writing to and what were we trying to share? You know, yeah, it, it was a structural thing, which is like yeah. putting a blog up on, on the butterscotch website. It's like, I would, I'm not going to talk about, a bunch of random shit that happened during the week. You know what I mean? Like it's not, yeah. it doesn't feel right. Yeah. And so, yeah, and, and it and invariably becomes about just about the game, like trying to tantalize people and show off stuff yep. in the game, which now, then it's just like, we're just selling stuff. And that's just that's tiring like to be honest. Cause like, especially for the first, you know, the first long while in dev while you're figuring it out, um, figuring your game out or getting, getting the visuals laid down or whatever else. Uh, we've, you know, we've tried this in the past. We tried it with scuffle buddies, uh, where we sort of start trying to build hype early because there's this whole idea of like constant content, you know, um, it's exhausting, absolutely exhausting to try. Well, to, and you never, you never know if anything really matters, you know, and it's, yep. and you're like constantly hiding stuff and be like, I have to, I have to hide this so that I can reveal it at a later moment yep. or actually more accurately, because I'm afraid that if I reveal it now, it will have been a lie, you know? And then, uh, yeah. And so yeah. The, the whole thing becomes not, just un- it just becomes unpleasant actually when when the when the sharing has to be a marketing exercise and the marketing yes. exercise has to be accurate uh then in early dev you just you just kind of can't mm-hmm. yeah and so and so that really just didn't hit the the goal of like we we wanted to actually just like have a better connection with the people who make our lives possible right which mm-hmm. is the the players <laughs> um and not just about like hawking our wares but just <laughs> right. just have a have a more personal touch to it well um, i mean it provides a reason to do it in the interim you know when when like when when a game isn't out you're deep in the tail of past games and and the community is now kind of small and quiet and, i mean and the people who are in our community right now that won't be as familiar cuz the level head community cuz it's a much more social game is just it's still active it's very active very discord vibrant, it's yeah. if you if you want to hang out with people in the community as long as they're as long as you're interested in level hit specifically, uh, there's like, there's plenty of stuff going on. There's actually even some, a fair amount going on with crash lands as well. But before we, before we launched level head and before we got crash lands into, uh, more platforms, uh, over the past year, uh, things got pretty fucking quiet, mm-hmm. like really, really quiet. Yeah. Uh, we would have like a 50 to hundred people in the discord 
Um, and, and actually, and now we have, you know, a, a thousand and off hours, right? Yeah. So it's like a tw- 10 to 20 times the, the amount of activity. Um, and it's also the case that, you know, when we first started the, the podcast, um, we had Quadrupus Rampage out. We had Flop Rocket and, and you know, a lot, a lot of these kind of like smaller action-y mobile games. And we hadn't launched Crashlands. Um, so we, our reach into our community was very weak. And we ended up, I think we had 30 listeners. The first episode? But no, like for the first six months. Like, yeah. I think, like I think it, it was, I think it hit 80 was kind of like our, where we kind of leveled out in the first phase yeah, of the podcast. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until we launched Crashlands that that like brought in the, the community and then suddenly people started listening. I think, I think the episode that we released on Crashlands launch week, um, just, I think it's still one of our highest listened episodes mm-hmm. it was like four thousand listens all of a sudden and we were like what the hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh just for that like in a day um and so that that also kind of i feel like informed a lot of things about about how we look at things like social media like twitter and stuff like that how like if you go look at apple their twitter account has never tweeted and they've got like three or four million followers right mm-hmm. um because one of the things that indie developers always do is they're always talking about their social media strategies, right? And about like, how do you use social media to get more followers on social media? You know, it's not just indies doing this. It's, it's every, every it's everyone, company yeah. under the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it really seems to be the case that, that people come to your social media account because of stuff that you've done elsewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like out, out in the world. Um, and that's, that's the best way. To, to grow your social media uh, presence. And so the podcast has kind of mirrored that same idea. Um, yeah, it's, it's actually a, it's the, it's a lower part of the funnel where the, the top is still our games. But to me, actually, the part that's been really interesting about this and that I've been thinking a lot more about recently, which also prompted the, the dev chat newsletter that I started a f- uh, month and a half ago or whatever, um, is, is the target audience problem, right? Where when we're making our games, we know who they're for. Right, we know we know what it means for somebody to play games. We we don't have a target audience in the sense of like we want men between the ages of X and Y that uh, have disposable income and love cars. You know, like we're not doing any of that <laughs> bullshit because we want we want games that are broadly playable by any kind of person. Right, but that's still a person who plays video games. We still know where they play video games. We still know what the markets look like and and how people buy games and all that kind of stuff, right? So we know who the there is there is, is still a yeah, there's still a segment. There's a segment, right? And yeah. there and more importantly, like we know what the product is. The product is a video game. We know what that experience is supposed to be like, therefore we know who the audience is, right? So we're designing that for the audience. Uh, when it comes to everything else we do, when it comes to this podcast, when it comes to like the dev chat newsletter, when it comes to our blog posts on the on the website, uh, when it comes to us doing other things for other people, like being on their podcasts or writing guest posts or whatever, uh, we never quite knew who it was for. Because even the podcast we're talking about in terms of like we want to be able to reach out to our players or have a have a relationship at least in some way with our players, given there's always more of them than of us when it has to still be kind of a broadcasty thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the intent. But the reality is that that's not what this is. Right. The reality is that a lot of people find us through our games. That is true. But the people who stick to the podcast are people who are starting businesses, who are into tech, who just want to know behind the scenes stuff about how how video games are made and, and work. Right. It's it's actually largely not people who are our players first. Mm-hmm. It's people who are into all the other pieces that go into games um, and not even the play. And actually a substantial fraction of our podcast listenership doesn't even play our games very mm-hmm. much, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've, we've heard a lot of people say that they bought the games to support us because they like the podcast, uh, yeah. but not, you know, so, so it's, so we're, it's just kind of a weird thing where, where the thing that we, many of the things that we've made that were not our games uh, ended up not being for what we intended them to be for. And I think there's been a conflict, at least that I know that I've had, this whole time of like still not quite knowing who the things were for and wanting it to be something else. Like, cause the idea for me of like, I always wanted to grow the podcast and get a bigger audience. But the reality is that the way we can do that is by, by well, the only way we can broadcast it is by selling more games and advertising it through our games. But then again, the people who come in won't care that much unless they're a particular kind of person, right? Cause it's not really for players. Well, I, I think, I think at the end of the day, 
if you really step back, I think it's for us. It is, yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. um, what we found is, is it at the beginning, you know, we were we were focusing a lot on trying to think about like what what will our listeners want to hear, what will our listeners want to hear, um, and we kind of like we tried restructuring things in a bunch of ways in the first you know couple dozen episodes, um, but invariably we would just end up off on tangents about stuff that we just were pumped about or interested in or um, talking about in, uh, sort of like interesting revelations we've had or struggles about life, you know, and, and I think especially because of, because of some of the heavy stuff that was happening around the time that we first started the the podcast, you know, there's a lot there. Right. Um, and, uh, and as Adam, as Adam has found with his dev chat, you know, his dev chat newsletter that he's sending out is, is a mixture of technical stuff um, business stuff and life stuff. And the thing that people always seize upon the the most is the life stuff about like talking about this, just, you know, things like the struggles of, uh, of, of mental health stuff like ADHD or, or just like how to think about different aspects of, of being a person, you know? Um, so, so the podcast in a lot of ways is, is a way for, for the three of us to just like take a beat once a week just sit down and just just kind of chew through some stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And we just do it into microphones and then just send it out. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. whoever's, hey, anybody, anybody yeah, else want to hear about this? A, yeah, sure. the audience is self-selecting, right? And that's that's kind of, when I was setting up the my newsletter, it was the same deal. I was like, because all I knew is that I wanted to write more. Like, I wanted to do more writing. I wanted to do more, sh- more knowledge share. Um, and so for this year, that was one of my goals, is to be like, I want to get more stuff. I want to get more stuff published, you know, get more stuff up and like featured on Gama Sutra, get, get some stuff in the games industry, biz, and otherwise just write, just share more more knowledge, uh, but in a way that you know people could, would see because you know it's well, well, it's still a really good exercise to do that work for yourself because doing the work of thinking through a problem, writing about it, articulating knowledge that you have in a way meant for other people to consume is extremely valuable. It really helps you understand things, and so it's worth doing already just by itself. Yep. But also. You want pe- I want people to read it. You know, I want people to see see the stuff that I did put all this work into. Uh, in the same way that when you make a game, you want people to play it. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so finding so that so that so that's where the question then still comes up is okay, sure, yeah, I'm going to do all this work, and yeah, technically it doesn't matter if nobody sees it, right? Um, but it'd be great if people did, right? And and if that's the case, how do I make it more possible to do that, right? Because because that's where you now start feeling like you have to have an audience in mind, a specific one, right? And you have to make sure that you're, that you're providing content that the audience would want so that they can find you and, the, and they'll share it with other people who are also into that same kind of stuff and that they'll stick around once they do land in your funnel, right? And, uh, and it's, a, so it's, just, it's just this interesting sort of challenge well, then where- it's, it's tough though, because then you end up in one of those scenarios where like maybe may, there's something that happens to a lot of like YouTubers, Twitch streamers, whatever. Mm-hmm. They'll start playing a game and they come to hate that game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. yeah. But, but all of their viewership is there to see stuff about that game. And so now this, this entertainer, this content creator has to decide to continue catering to their audience, but to but do so by, yeah, yeah. by talking about something that they're just sick of talking about and they don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. But if a, they stop doing it, then they have no audience. There's <laughs> a really fun uh, Dolly Parton quote, which I think is is apropos for something like this, which is the uh, figure out who you are and then do it on purpose thing. Yeah. Which I think is actually more applicable in this sort of scenario because the reality is that that as much as we've tried in the past to sort of uh, I'd say twist the angle of the podcast uh, here and there or whatever else, the reality is like it is what it it basically just is what it is because of who we are as people. And we've actually leaned into that, I think much more so in the past, uh, you know, probably a year or two. Um, totally fine. Just going on like a 15 minute, uh, you know, discovery session, trying to figure out what the word just means or uh, just <laughs> riffing on some really dumb, really dumb thing for, you know, 20 minutes uh, and then sandwiching that back to back with some really intense life advice. And then another dumb set of puns or something like that. Um, I think the reality is, you know, Adam, even with this, with the dev chat newsletter stuff, uh, I think really, really good stuff always just comes from, like, it, it's weird because like, yeah, you have to be aware enough of your audience, but if you're, you just can't angle a hundred percent toward them. Cause it just sort of like, 
Yeah, well, yeah, it, it, it sucks, sucks the soul challenge. Out. Yeah, because like, because we do like on 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 this on this very podcast, uh, we do have an audience. Like, the, who the audience has become, right, is is something we keep in mind. So, so we're no longer trying to like create a specific thing for a specific audience. We now kind of have already done that on accident, right? It just is what it is. People self selected into it, and and that's that. Um, but we're very, we're still very careful. Like, I, we, like I, I don't. I'm going to I'm going to say I'm not allowed to, but I mean by not by YouTube, but by the structure of what we have. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm not allowed to just go like real deep into like how fucking cool TypeScript is and how excited I'm about these like right. really nitty gritty components of of this cool stuff that I'm doing, which I'm very excited about. I like my day to day work, uh, but in the context of the podcast, I know that's not that doesn't make sense because while there will definitely be a substantial fraction of our audience into it, because those people have self-selected for interest in the podcast already, which means there's a good proportion of them who are into web dev because that's something we talk about, right? Uh, but not enough of them, right? Not enough of the listenership would be into it. And once you start getting really deep and like get, get out of that high level, then stuff can't be interesting in general, you know? Well, yeah, right. it, so, it, it kind of reached a point where like it would be as if, a, you know, 15 minutes of the podcast is in German, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. So, suddenly there's just words and concepts in there that people just literally don't, yeah. And no. so, yeah. And so they for, just have to skip right. it. <laughs> and so for me, this is, this, is like, this is why I decided I wanted to do the dev chat was because like I wanted to be able to start doing that stuff, you know. And again, now it's still – it's a self-selection problem all over again is now the right people have to get in there where, you know, they're going to be into it. But then you have this bigger problem, which is I want to get into that on a few topics, you know. And now – now the who is it for question gets even weirder because but I, think I, think, I, I think it's you just got to ask it at some point. You know what I mean? Yeah, it well, doesn't matter. Yeah, and that's what yeah. I decided to do is just to is just to go in and do it right. Mm-hmm. And that was but that was the reason. Like this is the reason why I have not been blogging. Why I have not been oh yeah uh, same here with the doing such thing is is because my question has always been like where do I put this? Who is this for? Right? And and uh, and with with a dev chat, I just decided fuck it. I'm just going to start doing stuff and then if people like it then they like it and if they don't then they don't and that's that's that if they and, don't then they'll leave yeah and we, we, <laughs> like, we, and like uh, so as, as an example of this too like one of the big concerns i always had when i wanted to write something was that i couldn't even put it on our own blog because our own blog is is pointed towards our players not towards the kind of audience who listens to our podcast and fellow developers and that sort of stuff uh, and so the stuff that I wanted to write about wasn't for our players, you know, it wasn't for people who were into Crashlands unless they really wanted to know how the, you know, the, the save, how the binary save system works in Crashlands or something, right? Which yeah. would be a cool post. I have not written it, but, uh, that'd be more of a Seth thing. Um, but, uh, so the, the idea was always just like, I have this thing I want to talk about, but where, where, where do I, where do I talk about it? And then it was when I rebuilt the blog, uh, tech a few weeks ago during the game jam during G- GGJ. Uh, when I when I first did it, I actually even built at that time. I had this concept of an audience, right? So like, who who was the the post that's being written for? And there were two: it was players and like and uh, industry, right? And uh, and then a couple of weeks ago, after I had a few episodes of the or a few issues of the dev chat out, and like was thinking about this more, I was like. Why? And I just fucking deleted that concept. It's <laughs> gone now, right? Because they, because, and I, and I had, a, and I'd had a separate place. It was like if you go to our website, then slash dev chat. That was where the dev chat, the dev related blog posts would live, and you couldn't see them at slash blog or the normal blog web page, you know. And I got rid of all that too. I was like, fuck, why, 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 why do this? Why not just have everything there, right? Just put yeah, it because because the, the thing about a blog or about text stuff is people can see a headline. And they'd be like, meh, and they just yeah. skip it. I mean, they can skip it's it not, if they want to. It's not a podcast where like people don't know what's coming next and they have no way to know what's coming next. And they're right? in a car, so, so it's hard to skip if they decide they don't want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So like so written stuff is, is perfect for that that concept of just like whatever you're excited about is the most important thing to write about because that's what's that excitement comes through. Yeah. And right? it's not like there's so um, much of it that if somebody only wants to learn about crash lands. They like can't go find Crashlands content, right? Because we're yeah, not, we're not a, we don't have a hundred people writing twenty blog posts a day. You know, it's it's we put out yeah. a few a week, but it's nothing, right? So yeah, that was it was. So I had a, I kind of had these realizations back to back this year as I started really thinking about this and just realized that so much of the stuff that I haven't been doing in terms of sharing stuff and like getting into things in a public way uh, was just because I was I, I was I felt like it was wrong to be mixing you know mm-hmm. groups and not knowing. 
who a thing was for and therefore where it could go versus instead just saying like, fuck it, I'll just start putting stuff out. And then if I know that a certain thing makes sense for some target audience who's available somewhere. So like that, uh, that, that post I wrote up about how we view piracy that I got put up on games industry. As I started writing it, I was like, this is a general article for, for industry people, right? This, this, this can go in one of these places. So I should try to put it there. But if it didn't go there, I wasn't going to worry about it. And yep. I started taking that kind of a mindset <clears throat> and, uh, and it's just made it easy because now I can just do stuff. Well, I mean, really, it just it speaks to the, yeah, it speaks to the point that like you you may start off with whatever highfalutin reasons for you know in our case connect with your connect with our players, uh, but the truth is like by doing the work uh, in the case of the podcast, in the case of this newsletter, whatever else, you'll always realize what it's actually for later. If that makes sense, like as you yeah. as you work through it, uh, and sometimes it's way off the mark from where you started. We talk about this in game dev. Uh, as well as just like any personal project, whatever else. You know, the game we start making is 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 oftentimes a sort of a a weird version of what ends up coming out at the end of the day, like the intent versus the reality. And yeah, it's, it's tempting to I think to self censor in a lot of ways uh, through that process. Try to try to hew back to that original vision the whole time. But the reality is like you're you should you're a learning person, or at least hopefully you are. So yeah, if you if you're putting out stuff and you're taking in the signals that people are giving back to you. If you're uh, kind of, you know, what you're using these various things for isn't changing over time uh, or your conception of them isn't, then then I think you you have many more problems than than the idea of being like, you know, I'm putting out stuff that I exactly like. I'm not I'm not really super sure uh, who precisely it's for, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm having a good time. Like that's that's a much better place. Well, to be. actually, I've I've had fun now thinking about it from that lens. Right. Which is like I now have a place where I can put all the stuff, which is the dev chat. I can kind of put yeah. clusters of things that I think are interesting together that are not like necessarily fully formed entire, you know, articles. Uh, and then, but I can, but I can put those on the blog on our blog and I can also just put technical articles on our blog. I could just fucking do well, that. Yeah. And I have do a that. place. And then if there's something that I put there, then I'm like, mm, this would also be good for this uh, audience who yeah, isn't here. Put it somewhere else. It's fine. It somewhere else. So if I go to, yeah, I mean, one of the most successful in terms of like amount of views of a post that I had recently was the the one I wrote up about what our journey looks like of converting Bscotch ID into Rumpus, right? Which like those details are interesting to a select few, right? But uh, but I, I as I was writing it, I noticed that the theme that it was really about was about the, the DevOps approach, the you know the DevOps strategy to doing that. And so I, then I wrote from that angle, and then I was like, and then and then when I first posted it on a step because this is before I had started putting stuff on our own blog. Uh, like nobody fucking read it. I put it up on Medium. I put it up on uh, Dev.2, which is a cool place that lets you write in Markdown for many of you listening who are into that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and literally nobody read it on either side. It's like there was no organic traffic that appeared there at all. Uh, and I was a little bummed because like I enjoyed putting the thing together, you know. Uh, and and then I was like, there's probably somebody out there for like who would be into this, you know. So I went I went to the the DevOps subreddit and just posted it. And then got 1,500 views on the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, there's like – there's a – there's I, – so, and I haven't always been able to find the audience for a thing that I wrote, right? But, but I still got to write it. I still got to take that personal benefit of having done so. I still have this like backlog of content now that I've made, which is cool. And then – uh, and then every once in a while, I like I meet, I find the meeting, you know, between a thing that I that I made and the audience who would be into it. Mm-hmm. And this just reflects the whole thing we were talking about about games, right? Which is that most things you make, uh, whether or not it's good, the problem is always visibility. Can you get the right people mm-hmm. to see it? And the answer for any kind of thing, whatever you're doing, is always usually no. You know, usually no matter how good the thing is you made and how much work went into it. Uh, the likelihood of you getting it in front of the right audience at the right mm-hmm. time is just low. Yeah, I mean, I, still, I think the the stories that I like hearing from our listeners about the podcast are are basically along those lines, where it's someone who who heard an episode because mm-hmm. of like essentially completely randomly, either not even like they picked up our games or else, and then listened to all of them over the course of yeah. like eight to ten <laughs> weeks or something, right? And and hearing that stuff because it's it's I think Adam kind of what you're getting at is like. It's one thing to make the work and be like, I think this is good, but it is another to actually have it validated a little bit um, yeah. in terms of like, okay, yeah, I, you know, it was actually useful. Uh, and hearing that, those sort of stories are always fun for me because uh, it, it is true that like every so often we're doing, you know, pod, as far as the podcast works, I mean, it happens on our Friday. It's like smack in the beginning of our 
final day of the work week. Um, frequently by Friday, we have other cool projects we're working on and stuff. And so I think I've, I've probably been the most, uh, I would say wobbly in terms of every so often. I'm just like, can we just, can I don't just know, not. can we just not, um, take an hour and a half today? Cause I want to do something, you know, with that. Um, but then you hear some of those stories like that and you're like, okay, never mind. It's doing yeah. work, you know? Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, with regard to the question of like Adam's struggle of thinking, should I even write this? And if I do write it, where, like, is it appropriate, you know, for me to like put it on the, the blog or, or whatever? Um, I think the most important thing with all of that is, is, you know, back to the Dolly Parton mm-hmm. uh, idea, which is Dolly's like, as got long, some fucking wisdom, man. I'll tell you what. As long as you're being true to the stuff that you are pumped about, um, or the, so like, as far as the studio goes, like we are, we are the studio, right? So mm-hmm. what we are excited about, what we're interested in, it go it goes on the blog. That's yeah. Right. Cause that's well, us. That, yeah. Right? That, was, that was like kind of final piece of it too. When I was, when I was like really thinking about this and I was like, Oh, what, what should I do? And I was like trying to, I was like loop, looping Sam and Seth and to talk through like, where, where should this stuff go? And so I was just like, Whatever, like I made this whole fucking website. This is my this is this is my company. I could do like you know I could do whatever the fuck I want, and like unless yep. I'm doing something like obviously bad, then Sam and Seth won't even care. So fuck it, I'm just gonna start writing stuff and yeah. posting it. And, no, like, so and what, what happens? What happens if what happens if you post a, an article about TypeScript on the blog? Do we lose players? No. Do we no. lose podcast listeners? No. What happens? Some people may not read it, and some people will read it. Yeah. Just like yep. any other blog post. Just like uh, anything else. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. it. Uh, it so matter. just do it. You know? Yeah, well, same deal with the dev um, chat, you know, because it was it was like it felt so official to now put it. Because originally I was like, oh, this is just a personal thing. I'll just go do, and I'll like I'll create my own infrastructure for it, or use one of these. Oh man, you're hedging fancy things, you know? Yeah, yeah and it was, and and and, uh, and I was like, why? Why am I doing any of this? Just fucking. I already I I've already built the systems. We already have a a, a multi newsletter system that I built for for Rumpus that allows us to make any arbitrary new newsletter we want, and people can just subscribe to it. That automatically handles all this stuff already. Like, why am I? you know, considering doing a separate thing. Um, but there, there's, there's always going to be that fear when you're starting on an endeavor podcast, you know, blog, newsletter, making games, whatever, which is an omnipresent one, which is like, is anybody going to give a shit? Yeah. yeah. Who was? And, who and gives the more official shit? you make it, the the more worry you have about like, well, what happens when nobody cares? You know? Yeah. Well, and I, and I think what you have to really like the mindset you really have to get into is the one that we sort of like ended up in, which is realizing that that the podcast turned out to be for us. And Adam's dev chat is for him, right? So like you're doing this stuff because you're excited about it and you want to share it, yeah. right? And if if the if you think that like the reason you're doing it is uh is to to get some kind of I don't know fame or, <laughs> or gain or followers, notoriety or followers or whatever, that's you you can't control that. All yeah. you can control is is that you're pumped about something and you want to share, right? right? But, you, but sometimes there are, there are people, pieces you can, and not, yeah, control is is correct. It's the the, the it, just like with launching a game, you don't control it, right? But yeah. there's there's another piece of that which is also important that you have to remember, and uh, that I'm that I'm still always trying to remember myself, which is that yeah, it is like in the end, it ends up being you know for you at least to some large extent, right? Uh, but but there are people out there who will read it. You gotta find them though, because they yep. will not find you. It doesn't matter if you've written it for yourself and therefore it's authentic and, and it is the kind of stuff that people would be into uh if people don't know it's there. And so the well, other yeah, you the still, other you half still have to that, bridge yeah, right bridge the other half that, that yeah. is still trying to figure out, okay, like I now know what I'm making, and I'm making it because I want to make it. Right. And then the other part of the puzzle is how do the fuck do I let people know that this exists? You know, and give them give well, them this the is chance. just a this is the perennial, you know, problem that we have, which is like you make a thing that you were pumped about making that you think is great and you're excited about. Now, how do you distribute it, right? Yeah. And I think if you're talking about like a a podcast or a blog or whatever, you know, with the blog stuff, like you said, Adam, you can post it on Medium, you can post it on our website. It doesn't really get traction until you bring it to the people who will really care about yeah. what's in mm-hmm. it, right? Which is a um, bunch of work, and you know, most of the time it doesn't work out, right? So it always it always creates this feeling constantly of like, ah. Is this even worth doing, and so on? But but that, that's kind of where I fall into to treat the whole thing as just a big experiment. Where I write, I'll write what I want to write. I'll I'll collect feedback and see what people are into, and 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 I will just like with the podcast, like it'll kind of coalesce around something that's a combo of what I'm into and what the people who read it are into, you know. Yeah. And I'll try to cross post at places, and then find those places and audiences in these other locations who are into certain kinds of things, so that I know that oh yeah, this is the kind of thing 
that if I do put it there, we'll actually gain some traction. Yeah, it's, sort of, it's uh, just a miniature just version of what we do. It's exactly the same thing yeah. where the assumption the whole time though is that it's an uphill battle and it's going to be hard to to get people onboarded. Uh, and and people most of the don't time, give a shit. yeah, and most of the attempts <laughs> that I make will come to nothing. You know, but it, it is still the case that now, like on Dev Two, I have like a couple hundred you know followers, whatever the hell that means there. Uh, <laughs> but but even still, if I if I post like most of the things that I post, uh, get so few reads that they don't that it doesn't even show up in the counter yet because they have like a below twenty five counter right <laughs> no, for no right. Uh, <laughs> and even like even stuff that I think is particularly cool that seems not tailored for that audience specifically, but that but that I know there are people there who would be into, and it's because of like what is it? Because the question is always what do these systems do? You know what does what does follower what does a follower mean in that context? And for a site like Dev Two, who's the audience there? The, the target audience is, is frankly mostly uh, early early career. Web developers. That's mostly who the audience is there. Medium. Who's that for? Every fucking thing under the sun, right? Mm. And so <laughs> it's like exactly the opposite problem, which is how do you find an audience when there is no specific audience? When the audience uh, is the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. So of course the stuff that I've written that's been the most popular on Dev.2 is like popular VS code extensions that I'm really yeah, into. You know? It's like shit. it's that kind of stuff, right? It's it's stuff that makes people feel like there's a secret, right? That's that's what people are into on on that site versus like r slash DevOps, you know, like they want to get into stuff about DevOps. So, yeah, so I guess, just, so I guess when you kind of get down to like, it's all the same, which is yeah. like do stuff you're interested in, do stuff you're excited about, but you got to recognize the different kinds of problems, you know, and one of the big ones is, is that visibility and distribution problem because nobody will care if nobody knows. Well, that's the thing right? is recognize the real so. source of the problem, right? Because because anybody out there thinking of, oh, I want to start writing. I want to start making stuff. I want to start whatever. Uh, there's going to be your, your first thought when nobody cares is that mm -hmm. nobody cares, right? And your first thought when you're trying to decide what to write it is like, oh, a million people have already done something like this before. What's the point of me doing it, right? And the answer is like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like there's no story out there that you've – there's no movie you've watched that wasn't basically the same as another movie that came out the year before it, right? Uh, like there's no novel you can read that you can't find. It's just stitched together five other novels that other people have written, right? <laughs> uh, it's all the same shit recycled. Uh, everything is. Everything out there. And the value comes in the fact of – how you specifically put it together. It's and in the execution. It's in the execution. And it doesn't matter how it was that you executed it. There's somebody out there who would be into how you do things, you know? Uh, you gotta there's, find there's, there's somebody out there. That, so the problem is not that. The problem is not whether or not you're making something worth worth something, assuming that you put real effort into it, right? Uh, but the, So that's not really the problem. If, if you're making decent stuff, um, then then – the problem is just that people don't know it's there. And more importantly, the right people don't know it's there because the stuff is worth doing and there are people out there who will care. They're just – they just won't know that you exist by default. And even if they well, do, they still have to get – there's still – there's an onboarding process, right, that has to be slick because if they land on your website of the, the cool blog that you started and it's an ugly website, like they'll, they'll bounce. It doesn't matter that your content was good, right? Uh, if – there's a million reasons why people don't get to your stuff to even discover they like it, even if they would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I think the, the frustrating part about being a creator yeah. is all you really want to do is make stuff. Yep. You know, all you really want to do is make stuff. And you want and it to be sufficient that you made a good thing. Right? That should, you know, and, and, and in your mind, you're always like, I mean, that should be enough, right? Like yeah. I made this incredible thing. I wrote this amazing post. Well, I wrote then this when great nobody book. cares, you make you, it makes because you think that it should be enough. Then it feels like we, you must not have done a good job. Well, well, for you know? for whatever reason, you make it either either about you, yep. right? Where you're like, people hate me. People don't like the thing. I'm I'm inadequate. Or you weirdly make it about the the audience, where you're like, these people just don't get it, right? It's <laughs> right. like yeah. no, plebes. Like, it's very possible. Like you did make a great thing. And nobody just nobody saw it, right? So like that's actually yeah. the most likely scenario is that nobody saw well, and again, it. And it's not like, about them, and it's not about no. you. It's and, and, <laughs> and, like, and the point here is that because it's also not even about a thing being good, and and you know, not to continue dragging other entities, but like take take uh, take you know YouTube series about the Earth being flat as an example. Um, they're like they're literal garbage. They're like they're complete nonsense uh, made by randos with terrible audio quality, terrible video. They're mostly recut pieces of each other's work stolen from each other's channels, right? Uh, and they're spouting obvious, obvious nonsense. But there's an audience for that. 
It was a great, it was a huge audience. <laughs> yeah, it was a surprisingly big audience for that. And and so so one of those like objectively terrible idiotic videos can get a hundred thousand views, right? Uh, so because it's again, it's it's not about the it's it's about finding the people. There's there's people out there for anything, right? If you're making videos for idiots, then you just gotta find gotta those find idiots. idiots. <laughs> Find your idiots, yes. <laughs> find your idiots. Uh, anyway, I'd like to get into some questions since this is our 300th episode. So yeah, let's, let's go. Let's get in there. All right, these questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. The highest upvoted question comes from Guigi. Guigi. Maybe it's Guigi. Guigi I'm familiar with because they are constantly writing in uh, feedback tickets of various sorts, including for the website, which almost nobody does. Oh, thanks. Thanks, so, thanks Guigi. Thanks, Guigi. Thanks for keeping us honest. Yeah. Uh, Guiji says, "What was your favorite game to work on?" Oh, to work on, to work on. Well, I think if you if you really think about like the you know the hundred percent of a game project, probably the only games that are fun to work on most of the time are game jams. Game know? jams, totally. Because <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's only two days, and so like nothing can go too sideways. Because you basically you start it and it's very exciting. There's only one day of being in the grind, and then you're finishing it, which is so exciting, right? So, <laughs> so it's like, as far right. as that experience goes, uh, you know, percentage wise, it would be yeah, any. That's frankly anyone of one hundred percent true. Um, I think making fields of goop was for that, that game jam MMO we made uh, was one of the most fun ones. I think for me because because of the audacity of it. I thought was hilarious. Uh, it was also one of the first times that all three of us got to be very intensely working together on something. Um, and Adam's like sort of hail Mary fixing of the server. I don't know if you guys remember like 10 minutes before the yeah. deadline or something. Uh, <laughs> it was like really intense and fun. Um, that's also when I was just kind of getting into character animation and stuff like that. And so that was one of the most fun overall projects were like end to end where I was just kind of like enthused the whole time. But as far as like, you know, fun in the sense of the actual payoff at the end of the day. I mean, it's, I mean, either level hit or crash lands, frankly, because like just seeing, you know, like 200,000 people play the shit out of something that you made or see those hours racking up on the analytics in the back end where you're like, people have put in 70 human years of life into this game in a month. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. That's just, oh. Well, yeah, like I'd it. say, I'd say crash lands was my, so far, my uh, favorite game to launch because it, it launched so well, but that's um, different. But that is different than working. It's on. different than working yeah. on, right? Um, I'd say Levelhead was definitely the best one to work on because we we did early access, which like yeah. you know, we've talked we've talked a lot about how early access, you know, it's a mixed bag. But one of the fun things about it is that um, the expectation from the community is like, eh, you know, we're some stuff might be weird and not everything is done, but like we're here to give feedback and play it. And so, yeah, so if, the I think level- if it if it mostly works and, the, and people don't lose their data. Then they're like, yeah. Then the early access community is just excited that things are changing. That's what they. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And so I mean, we were we were pumped, like especially for the first uh, six months of early access. You know, we did like a patch of, uh, a content patch every week for the first ten weeks. Yeah, which is insane. Then we switched to a two week schedule as things solidified more, and then we did a a one month schedule for the last bit. Um, and it was just it was super fun to be able to just like come up with an idea on Thursday. Uh, get it prototyped on Friday, finish it up on Monday, have it tested Monday and Tuesday, and launch it on Wednesday. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, and then it all start the cycle started over again. Um, it was very intense, well, and I mean, it also let us uh, let us refine our our DevOps and and automatic deployment pipelines well, yeah. and stuff. And I think that's so, actually the key, right? The thing that made it fun to work on was that we had worked on how the work was done so much and so aggressively, mm-hmm. so that we had build pipelines. We had really good QA. We'd built a QA team and they, and they had gotten really good and, and they still to this day are very good. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, and, and so, so it, the things that made the work fun were making the work slick and as easy as possible so that you got to do it. Well, so so this to, is, for, to me, Crashlands 2 now is the most fun. It is, it is to pretty work fun to work on now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, beginning. yeah, I wanted yeah. to actually mention this because I was, I was having a, a chat with one of my, um, one of the studio heads that I've been kind of advising and, and mentoring yesterday. And one of the big things we talked about was that she'd been having, she'd just been having a really tough time for the last like two months or so. Uh, very stressful work wasn't quite going as well, running a bigger 
bigger team than ours, about 13 people or so. And um, one of the really important things we started keying in on was this idea of, you know, if you're not having fun, you yourself, while you're doing the work, um, then that is, that's just a signal that something is wrong, whether it's a structural thing in the company, whether it's a process thing, uh, whether you're off on the, just the wrong design path, something is wrong, like actually actively wrong with, with kind of how your approach is. And so putting fun into the work context in the same way that we put, it's like, we, you know, as a designer, you, you play a game and you're like, this is good or it's not right. Um, you can actually think about your work days in the, ex- in the exact same way, which is like, could everything this be more is fun? a design problem. Everything's a design problem. And so, yeah, I'd actually, you know, if we're talking about like active stuff, uh, yeah, Crashlands 2, I would say as of, as of the last, it's sort of been, uh, some highs and lows stuff, I think because of the detect at burn down, since I was working kind of just off to the side, uh, not necessarily with Adam and Seth for a good chunk of time there, uh, that was very exciting, but also a bit, you know, siloed. And then with the exploration of multiplayer, not panning out, that was also kind of what I was like, eh. Yeah, yeah definitely. Pre-optimization work that kind of got snuck in there that Seth was then fighting. Yeah, so I'd say yeah, basically since, I would say since the beginning of this year, it's been more fun, especially actually since after the game jam, where as we talked about, we kind of switched back over to our, our usual method of more of a more of a game-making rodeo. Uh, and it's been tons of fun. And these export tools Adam built for the freaking Eclipse Studio Paint are so slick. Seth and I were just like, um, Seth's like, oh, can you change? Like, boom, there it is. It's in the game. Done. Um, the stuff we Which set up for. Which is all open source, by the way. So anybody who oh wants, my God. It's wants so in on it. dumb. It's so good. <laughs> I can't even. And then like Spine, we got all the, our, our animation tooling stuff figured out. So now even I get the sound effects, Seth just imports them. I have them named on the Spine side. And then they just play. Like they just, Seth doesn't have to do shit. Yeah. It's amazing. I, just, I run a single command. Actually, I run two commands. One import sounds, the other import art. And then I've got the, the sounds are in the project. Sam already hooked them up on Spine. And now they're they just they're work. Just yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah it's, it, I would definitely agree that I think Crash 2 is getting into a really, really good swing where it's just like, yeah. it's been really fun to work but it's on. It's because the tooling is so good yep. that that we all get to just do the part that we're supposed to supposedly here for, right? Which is, in, in you guys' case, making the games, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and I think there are also parts of it too. Like there, there's a, there's that structural component where every, everything is a design problem. And if, as, as you said, if it's not, it's not it's exactly about it being fun. It's about, it's also about how painful it is because things don't need to be fun all the time and they're always going to have some things that suck. That's always going to be true, right? But on net, it should be a pleasant experience, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, it can be course, fun in the sense of like Dark Souls being fun, right? Where you're like, I'm yeah. getting my ass kicked by this. Yeah, thing. right. Yeah, exactly. But you have but yeah. the tools. You have the capability. You, right. Yeah. That means you have to have the capability, the the psychological safety. You have to have all the things mm-hmm. available to do that. And of course, not you, not everybody. And in fact, most people don't control that because they aren't running their own companies yep. or because they're on uh, really tight deadlines or whatever. Uh, so you know, acknowledging that it's a, it's a comes from a place of privilege, uh, you still get to evaluate what it is the source. Well, but, it, but it's also right. a place of responsibility because if you're it's running both, a studio, yeah. if you're if you're the person, you know who's yeah. who's creating who's, the harm. Who's <laughs> well, if if you're having a bad time, yeah, then probably everyone is. And, and one of the things that we kind yeah. of realized was like there there was a there was a period of time during Crash Dance Two Dev where we were all just having kind of a bad time. It was just things were moving slowly. Uh, it, we were we felt like we were kind of stuck in the in the muck. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were sticking to the plan, right? And we just kept sticking to the plan and kept having a rough time. And eventually we were like, fuck this plan. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, let's just take, like, what do we want to be doing? Like, like ignore the, the, the sequential list of stuff that we said we were going to do. Like, what are you excited about? What are you excited about? What are you excited about? Okay, let's just do those things. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll, we'll get to the other stuff. You know, it's at coming. some point yeah. it's coming, right? But like, because because one of the things that one of the big changes was, um, like, part of it is is I hadn't um, mentioned this on the on the uh, podcast, but I I also have been diagnosed with ADHD and I'm on Ritalin now, which has been great. <laughs> uh, but but uh, but one of the things that's that's kind of happened is is when we were sticking to the plan and kind of just just kind of crunching through the the work sequentially. Um, by you know, like two two o'clock in the afternoon, I was pretty much wiped. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm kind of watching the clock, like, oh, like, <laughs> well, I'm so tired of working on this thing, this like system that we all decided was the thing to work on, but really it's kind of like boring and barely adds anything to the game right now, right? Uh, 
uh, switching gears and saying like, let's just work on stuff that's, that's fun and engaging to work on that gives immediate feedback and very obviously improves the game like right now. Um, and suddenly I, I keep accidentally working until seven, 8 PM. And I have to like, I have mm-hmm. to, I have to, pr- I have to shut it off. Like I have to purposely yeah, just walk jazzed, away. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what matters. Right. Because, because you, you can't, you can't like, uh, you can't make something good if you feel bad, mm-hmm. I think, I think is what, the, <laughs> what it is. So, yeah, that's, that's that. All right. Next question. Gear whip toppy beep says, Ooh. is there a game concept that interests you that could not be done in game maker? Do you ever see the studio's needs outgrowing its capabilities? Yeah, well, I mean, the concept would be a th- like 3d. Would be as, yeah. yeah, it if would there's require a 3D that, in some way, yeah. which generally would be like first person. If you want to do first person anything, I mean, obviously it's not going to be yeah. a game maker project. Um, so I think that's that's mainly the one where if we wanted to make a, uh, you know, say if, if it was like a Crashland style game, but, you know, more like a satisfactory or whatever else where it's you can see your arms, you know, in your face and you're just running around the world, then yeah, that, that doesn't really pan out. But I mean, for the most part, the, the biggest difference is just that it's like, if you, if you have a game that requires that sort of spatial thing um, or that first person perspective, then yeah, you can't do it in 2d, but that's, that's the only thing. thing. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think what was that? How did they phrase that last, that last bit of that question? Do you ever see the studio's needs outgrowing its capabilities? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, cause this is actually an unrelated question. Uh, and, and it's really interesting, right? Because, cause it, the only way that can happen is if, because the question is like, what is it that you need, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because the only way that that could be outstripped or that can outstrip your capabilities is if you, if you, you decide you can't do. But if, the, <laughs> if if your needs are things you decide on, which is true if you're a company, uh, then uh, I'm not sure that's something you then, get to opt into mostly. You know? And why have you? Yeah, why have you decided to do something that you can't? Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and but that is a fair question, and it's a thing you can that you can like. And this is a, this is a struggle that we've always had, which is like, uh, should we should we move into three D, right? Because it feels like, and the same we talked a while ago about multiplayer and crashes too, which we then you know decided not to do. It feels like three D is 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 not only uh, a, a, you know an important thing to do and, and to be able to do and very cool, but also that it is a progression. Right, it's a progression from 2D, and that it, that it unlocks new opportunities, and that we are restricting ourselves by by not having 3D capabilities. The reality, though, is a lot more nuanced than that. Which is, there are successful 2D games, very successful 2D games. There are very unsuccessful 3D games. Right, uh, it's still much more about the game and its design and how well that meshes with a target audience and the tech used than whether it was 3D or 2D. Mm-hmm. So that actually doesn't matter as much as it as it feels like, right? Uh, but also, there's trade offs. There's and there's so many of them that that it's just a hedonic treadmill, you know? Like, yeah, sure, you move into 3D, right? Uh, okay, yeah. Now you have to know how to do 3D models and do 3D animation. Okay, so now there's a fuckload of that kind of stuff you have to learn. Um, so now everything has to use that. Um, the mm-hmm. you have to deal with camera stuff a lot more. Collisions are more complicated and. Uh, sure, you can do you can you can do more stuff and do particular kinds of stuff, but all that stuff is also now required, mm-hmm. right? You so, have to do yeah, it so that you, you can, so that you must, right? Yeah, so you both can and must, and now there's more stuff you can do and more stuff that you must do, and uh, and so the the question is, is you know, is it, it by by seeing that as a need and then going out to fill that need, uh, then is that what caused you to you know out outpace your capability? Is the is the imaginary idea that you needed to move into 3D or you needed to to leave this one engine behind for a new one to solve some particular problem. Uh, so I think I'm sure there are cases where there's like a real need, you know, that is now a problem because uh, you can't meet it. Um, and but that would have to be introduced externally or internally. Those are the two places, right? And I think if you're if you're introducing it internally, you have to ask yourself the question: like, is this real? You know, like, is this actually yeah. a thing that has to happen? I mean, it's kind of like you know, we talk about the there's sort of that in the minds of a lot of devs as well as a lot of players. There previously, I think probably not so much these years, but uh, in the last couple of years, there's this sort of rank order of like mobile games or baby games. And then, like, yeah, you can be on consoles and stuff, but like, you know, PC is kind of where you get the most 
crazy intense gaming experiences and consoles are like also really cool, you know, um, but mobile games are sort of like at the bottom rung and there's this progression concept, right? Mm-hmm. When in reality, if you look at the like, total market size and, and everything else, it's like mobile games make way more money than any of these uh, PC games do. Just sort of yep. period. And so this, yeah, well, and you might even think like, Oh sure. That's because like they, you know, they've, they're so simple that they have a huge audience, but it's actually the case that like a lot of the, the big mobile games uh, they're making tons of money are actually pretty intense. Dazzlingly complex. I would say (laughs) they've got, yeah, they've got like 20 buttons on screen at a time and they're like online PVP multiplayer games and all kinds of stuff. like that. I think it's, it's very tempting to see uh, art in the same sort of like basically the visual style in the same sort of progression thing. When really, again, it's just a tool, it's just a tool. And so knowing if it's the right tool for you is, is the really hard question to answer when you like, simultaneously have to divorce your bias off of that, that problem, you know, which is really difficult to do. Yeah. And, and not using your tools in the wrong way. Right. Because mm-hmm. if like, if you've decided that the, that you have to have a 3d game to be successful for some reason, which, which could be true under a very particular set of reasons, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, then yeah, it would be dumb to use the wrong tool for that job. Right. But similarly uh, you got to ask yourself the question, like, why did I put myself in a scenario where 3D was a thing I had to do when I can't do it? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were there were there alternatives I could have I could alternative strategies I could have taken where my quote unquote needs would have actually matched my capability or at least not been so far you know out, outpaced by it? Now there's also there's a worst case scenario which we haven't even talked about, which is there have been times where people have come to us and said, "Hey, uh, I and my friend or whatever have started up a, a company." And we want to make games, but we don't have literally any capacity to do that or knowledge. And we also aren't going to learn it. Will you make the game for us and we'll contract it? (laughs) Which now what you're doing is you're contracting out a hundred percent of your business's core like concept, right? At which point, um, you don't like one of the one of the things that people talk about in business school is the idea of a core competency. Yeah. Recognize the thing that you are really good at and figure out how to use that to your advantage, right? If you make a company purely about a thing that you not only aren't good at but can't even do at all, um, then you don't have one of those. Well, yeah, right? but you have like to be careful how you how that's all being framed, right? Because your core competency could be production. Right, you could be really good at organizing work, and but it, but you, so you have to make sure those. So, so you might then not be able to do any of the work yourself, though, right? But if you're really good at organizing it and can and can find a niche where that is the thing that is missing, right? Then that works. Then that's a that's a that's a great business model you put together. If if you though say, "Ooh, I love this idea of this particular game," I'm not technically a game designer, so I've never done one. I've never done that before. But I've played games and I have this cool idea. So I'm I'm the designer now, uh, but I can't do any of the work, uh, including actually the design because that that part you just think you can do, right? right. Uh, so <laughs> now I'm going to go find a whole bunch of people who 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 can make this dream a reality, right? Uh, and then bring them on board. But I don't know how to organize the work uh, or even what the work is, right? Yeah, like very obviously as you start to, that's a tough yeah. as you start to verbalize all of this, it disintegrates really rapidly. But <laughs> but the value proposition doesn't have to be like, yeah, I'm I want to make games. I therefore have to go learn how to how to make every aspect of a game to do it, right? It's it's understanding what the components are and where your niche can be and, yeah. and how you can now you know. Well, well, yeah, I would say though, you know, because we contract stuff out, we contract out sound, we contract yeah. out cer- certain certain pieces of the of the process. Um, but there's still a very important core aspect of it that we do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I, I think, think, but I think that it doesn't matter as much as we know exactly what we're contracting out and why. Right. And we know how it's getting paid for. And we know, we know like the, we know how to articulate the, our needs and, and all of that. Cause it doesn't matter really that like, sure, we make the game that the sounds go into, but that's not the part that matters for contract. The part that matters for contracting is we know what sounds we need and why. Right. I think what's just saying is that those are inextricably linked. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying the reason we articulate the reason, what you need. Yeah, the reason we know is because we are making the the game. I mean, I mean, imagine if there were like if we had like a contractor handling the art, another contractor handling the the programming, another contractor handling the sound, and we had to f- figure out how to get them all, you know, to work together with each other 
you know, through our mediation, I mean, it would just just take forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think, just to kind of like zoom out a little bit, um, you know, you're always going to have stuff that is outside of your of your capability, but it shouldn't be everything. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, uh, that's yeah. And my point is, that it can actually still be most things. Yeah, definitely. It actually is going to be most things. It's that you need to accurately identify what the thing is that you are good at and make sure that 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 is now being fit neatly into a puzzle where that thing is needed and can do its job, right? And that you're yeah. actually good at it. I mean, like, no offense, but most people, <laughs> most people in startup, I can because there's, I mean, same this is a big startup culture thing too going on. So most people you talk to who are starting companies uh, about a specific product don't actually have the skills in any one of these of areas, any one of these areas enough to really do. Well, and the that. people who do mostly aren't starting companies because they're on the other part of the Dunning Kruger curve, right? Where, yep. where you, where you, where you think feel you're like garbage. you're not good at, and you feel like everybody else must be better. And yeah, I mean, it, it is that whole bummer mm-hmm. of, of confidence, right? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's always a lie, you know, and the, and the, the, the more confident you are, the more likely it is you don't know what you're doing and the more likely you're starting a business. Um, mm-hmm. And then here we are. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes you act, you sort of luck your way through it. You know, you can oh, yeah. fail forward long enough to figure out how to do it well. And you, need, you, you need to be able to do a TED Talk. <laughs> that mixture of confidence and uh, humility is what's, I think, required for that sort of situation, right? Yeah. Yeah. You got you to recognize your shortcomings so that you can improve yeah. while you're still trying yeah. to figure it out. But Or just get uh, lucky over and over and over again, which happens a lot. Yeah, it does happen. Well, I mean, right. it happens a lot. Sorry, that's not true. Happens very rarely. It's just a lot of the success stories that you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you hear about it a lot. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's all the time we have for episode 300. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.